Welcome back to Matchpoint Podcast. After a few weeks, we are happy to be back recording again. I am sitting down with my co-host, Maddie Gregoire. Maddie, how are you? Hello, I'm pretty good. That's good. I like that you no. hesitated before saying pretty good. It, I mean, I gotta be honest. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I, I appreciate that about you. And, and and I am Zach Roberts, and I am the other host of Matchpoint. Uh, today, we are going to be mixing up things a little bit for, for people who have been listening with us all year. We do typically tend to lean on games, but today we're going to deep dive on some stuff that's usually been provoking Maddie and I a lot and, and what we've been talking about a lot in our DMs while we haven't been recording. And that is all about the multiverse, its its prevalence in the media that we consume, and also um, how that deals with consciousness and its parallels to consciousness and, and these weird influences in our lives um, that just seem like they're hitting all at once. Right, Maddie? Yeah, I think this episode is going to be an interesting look into our mental state. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the decline over the last several months or something like that. Okay, yeah. so I, I feel like the best place to start is with um, probably my favorite movie of the year. Uh, we yeah. are going to try to be as light as possible on spoilers, although I will edit in a, a, a break if and some timestamps if I need to. Uh, we will be talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, the new film that came out uh, from A24 and Daniels, uh, I believe last month or maybe late March. Um, Maddie, can you kind of kind of set us up um, when you like, you know, talk to me about this movie. Uh, so this movie is um, stars Michelle Yeoh and a, a huge cast that I, I can't remember everybody, um, but it uh, follows a uh, Chinese family that owns a laundromat um, and they are just drowning in or are they in debt or is it just the taxes that are I, the issue? I believe they are being audited um, right. for the ways they are are setting aside like, you know, expenses and stuff. Basically, they are they are a, a struggling immigrant family launching a small business um, and struggling to file taxes for it. Um, yeah. Um, and then from there, things things take a, a turn for the sci-fi, and like, and it's funny, Maddie, right? Like, there are elements of 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 sci-fi early on in this in this movie, but it's interesting. Like, things don't really ramp up until again the vast majority of this movie, and we're not going to get into spoilers of plot, but like, takes place um, at the IRS, basically, right? Yeah, like basically, once they get there, it's the whole pretty much the whole movie's in the IRS offices. The suggestion um, <laughs> that the IRS is a place of the surreal um, is, yeah. is definitely interesting. Um, but like, I think so core to the core to the film, right. Um, beyond the, the setup of, of, you know, debt and taxes um, is really about the ways that, um, I mean, the movie deals specifically a lot with, with generational um, like first gen Americans and also expectations of immigrant families and the pressure that puts on children and, and that sort of thing. But also, you know, deep in that, they also start exploring the ways that people make decisions and, and create ripple effects. Um, and they start playing with like multiverse themes, right? Yeah. Uh, once they get into the IRS offices they're when they're going up the elevator, um, Evelyn, the main character, her husband, uh, what's his name? Uh, Waymond. Yes is who's played by um played by who's he's from india he, he was the child actor in i can't remember which indiana jones but one of the temple indiana of doom jones. yeah so he is yeah. the child actor from temple of doom uh I'm, i don't i don't know if this is how you pronounce um this name uh but kehu kehu kwan uh is his name uh 
he's like kind of an their relationships is like on the rocks right yes and but like he, he he is like i think he's excellent in this role he he's is so like, good he is like a loving dweeb who who just i mean ultimately like even though his family is, is struggling to make ends meet and and his wife feels like she's kind of the one holding the family together which i mean is um you know a dynamic a lot of people are familiar with and grew up around like it is him trying to to like honestly he's just like a dude who just wants to be loved right like it, it feels yeah. like it's a lot of and, he, and he's excellent like i think like you're saying the relationship is like on the rocks but i think this movie like genuinely has a a, a pretty um by the end a really nice like feel for like what a good a good relationship is and all of that yeah i think their relationship's like my favorite part of the movie because uh, he's getting ready to serve her divorce papers because he feels like she's been so distant and just like not giving him the attention he needs. And this is like, it's clear that he didn't want to do this. This is his last resort. Um, and he, so in the elevator at the IRS office, they're heading up to their meeting and another Waymond from a different universe jumps into his body and be, goes like super spy mode, covering up the the camera with an umbrella and stuff and uh, telling Evelyn that like she has a choice to make when she gets out of the elevator. She can go to the meeting or she can go to this uh, janitor's closet. Um, and it, this is where things get like start getting confusing as to what is actually happening. She goes to the meeting, but she also goes to the janitor's closet. It seems like so she's in she's in both places at once. Her consciousness becomes split and uh, she's jumping back and forth between her in the janitor's closet universe where uh, Alpha Wayman is a cool, knowledgeable multiverse jumper and then back to the meeting where she's just like she's not there uh the irs auditor deirdre uh played by jamie lee curtis and like just incredible curtis like at her fucking peak like it's so good and they do like incredible things with her her and uh evelyn later too um like one of the one of those characters that like when they first show her they're like kind of trying to play up certain things about like her her, the way she carries herself, her body language, her her I mean, body, it and is I was the like expectations of who we think would be somebody who is so soulless as to work at the IRS, right? Like I think that's yeah. the expectations they're playing with. Yeah, and I think uh, like I almost was like, mm, I don't know about this character, like the the way they're using certain tropes, but like I I think it's meant to play on expectations of tropes, and so by the end of it, they they like really pull out some incredible things. But yeah, so from there, it's basically. Evelyn working with uh, this group of people. It's pretty much the Matrix, honestly. Like, Evelyn is is Neo working in the office, and uh, Alpha Wayman is Morpheus, like pulling her down the rabbit hole. Um, and so you you explain the multiverse stuff because it gets really complicated, and I don't remember. <laughs> oh God, it is really complicated, and I also want to avoid like major ish spoilers. I think a lot of people should yeah. see this movie, and also I don't know how wide of a release it got. But maybe, I, I mean, I think maybe core... we don't explain plot details about the multiverse stuff, but like the way it affects the characters because it sure. starts really messing with their minds. So I think okay, so like let's let's do a little bit of 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 conversation setting, right? Like to me, mm-hmm. a lot of multiverse stuff. Um, at least the way I think about it is like butterfly effect. And I think it's easiest to think about multiverse about yourself, right? Like 
like mm-hmm. versions of, of yourself that are just like you and also very different and the ways you can start imagining like infinite possibilities of yourself in other dimensions living other lives and i think the way we think about it even though it's not really how it works is like every time you've made a, a decision in your life like, like a video game right like when you choose between path a and path b a lot of the easiest way to think about a multiverse is you in real life you know you chose path b and then sometimes you wonder what path a would have would have shaped your life to be and like that's how a lot of multiverse stuff is and i this movie is like a, a deep exploration of multiverse and the butterfly effect and then like but it's not just about the individual it is about like the generational impact of those decisions would you say that, that is an accurate way to frame it uh yeah i think it's accurate but it, i i do think it has a really strong focus on like the the idea of like wasted possibility mm. and the the like or, weight or that can have fear. on you yeah or even the fear of wasted possibility the f- right? yeah like this i think the thing that stuck with me the most was like the the fragmentation imagery that they keep using with evelyn like the first time she moves to a different universe like the the screen cracks like a mirror and she like there's she's in all the different broken pieces in like different versions of herself um and like i i think the most powerful thing about the movie to me was when she finally realized what like the way she'd been living her life was basically trying to live in every multiverse like she she was picking up she hobbies wanted to be every picking version up, of herself yeah because in in a lot of ways that's like kind of the expectation we have and i think the irs being the setting for this is really interesting too that like taxes are a thing everyone has to do um Turbo no matter tax, how many versions really, of yourself, no matter how many versions of yourself there are, it feels like they're all paying taxes in one way or another, right? Yeah, and it's a very complicated process that we're expected to be on top of. And uh, I think there's like in modern life, there are a lot of things we're expected to be on top of that, like you need a specialist to really understand. But we're expected to be like Swiss Army knives, uh, yeah. pretty much, and that's kind of how Evelyn feels like pulled in all directions well, and, then, and then the movie the movie also like you know something that you and i can't speak to very specifically but is like mm-hmm. central to the plot is that like she and waymond move to the country as like a young couple and so like yep. not only are they people who who are like you know like a common thing a lot of americans talk about is like man public school didn't teach me about like about taxes or any of this shit and now i'm just expected to know how to do it as an adult and then like extend that to, to the immigrant experience where yeah. now they're adults and they're familiar with how they, they might be familiar with how taxes work, but also the way the U S does them is, is different. And then like the ways that we, we don't, we don't provide opportunities um, for, for people to like get educated as, as like it is like, it, I think that like there's so much that anybody can pull out of this movie, but also like it, you, you cannot separate how much of it is in dialogue with like, being an immigrant in America, right? Yeah, and the ways Evelyn feels pulled between two different cultures in addition to all these other things. Like her her father uh basically like disowns her when she decides to leave with Waymond. And he's like he's living with them later, but like seems it's like he's still like kind of holding a grudge or she she thinks he is. Yeah. Um because yeah, she like, doesn't because it's a, it's the fear again like in her mind right it's the optimization of her life like am i am i getting everything out of it and that is a voice i think a lot of people hear in their life all the time or periodically 
And then like yeah. to have this parent figure, like your parents are always a reminder, right? Like, like the things that your parents tell you they want your job to be when you're five, 10, eight, 18, right? Like all of these sorts of things. And then now she's an adult and her father came to visit. And also during his visit, he's gonna, he's, he's elderly um, and, and bound to a wheelchair and we need to take care of him. So he's coming with us to the IRS. So your father is, is not only aware of your failures, you are demonstrating your failures to him in an IRS, you know, like yeah. it is, it is a nightmare scenario. Yeah. Her. Yeah. And I think the lot, like the last major thing that really stood out to me thematically or that I, I pulled from it. This is one of those movies that like, there is so much going on and so much that I kept pulling from it thematically and stuff that I was like, I, this isn't like, I saw Dr. Strange. I c- could not tell you what, the themes of that movie where I did, I didn't really get much from it. You're talking and about I the new Doctor Strange, right? The new sequel? Doctor Strange. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Multiverse of Madness. And like, yeah. I, I like could not, I, I had a good time with that movie, but like I, I couldn't really pull anything meaningful from it. And I couldn't imagine like another read on it. And this is one of those movies where like I had such a clear read on it and such a like strong reaction to it. But also I have no idea what other people think about this movie because there's just so much to parse. Sure. Wait, so did Doctor Strange, like, not really date, uh, 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 deal that seriously with, like, the weight of consequences? Like, was that, was uh, that I mean, all it, part of it? Uh, let's put a spoiler cut here. All right, um, spoiler, okay, spoilers. Because I know spoilers, you don't care. Oh, no, 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 it's fine, but spoilers uh, uh, from here until, use the timestamp to see when we jump back out of spoiler territory. Maddie, please, from here okay. on out, you can you can tell us about uh, 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 Doctor Strange yeah. 2. Doctor Strange 2 starts with a version of Doctor Strange running through the like a, a multiversal corridor with America Chavez, who has multiversal powers. Um, he tries to like betray her and kill her. And she goes to a different goes to our Marvel universe and meets our Doctor Strange. Um, and like when they finally get to jumping through multiverses, it's them jumping to the same street in New York with like one one gimmick variation. It's like, okay, this one's underwater. And all the cars that were in the scene before are still there. Like the only thing that's changed is this one fundamental fact about like, this street like in New York. It's like baby's introduction to how multiverses work. It feels yes. like cuz like when yeah. you don't when you don't alter the cars, it makes it it makes it feel like the multiverse versions of yourself would still be would still be going to the deli today the same way you yeah. are or whatever right yeah and the big thematic pull that they keep trying to do is like is Stephen Strange happy is there any universe where Stephen Strange is happy and they try to like punctuate that with his relationship with Christine who's uh, played by Rachel McAdams who like I did not she find knew? the romance she was in the his his like origin okay. movie. I did not find their romance particularly compelling there. And I did not find it compelling here. Like they don't even try. They I'm, I'm ready to say it, Matthew. I'm going to derail you for a second. I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch can have chemistry with very many people. Like I, I, I no. don't think he's, I, guess, I think he's like a fine actor, but like, I, like that dude is, you know, like the, like, I don't, he just, he delivers lines in a way where like, I haven't seen him ever. And like, maybe it's just casting and, and movies I choose to watch. I've never seen him play a guy who like, I'm like, oh, he feels warm. I think he plays like, he is like an actor who should have, should be getting typecast, but like they want him to be a leading man. And I just don't think he has it 
yeah he, I, I just like can't, his delivery i just cannot connect to um the, the like, power of the, I, okay i haven't seen dr strange 2 but we, i yeah. watched power of the dog earlier this year have you seen power of the dog not yet no okay so so he he plays a cowboy and there's like, a ton of shit i'm not gonna get into in that movie but like the way he delivers line in a cool but kind of calculated mean way and the ways that like dr strange is kind of like a witty dick in a way that's similar but different from tony stark like there's less ego more like you're just an idiot like mm. he, he's kind of doing the same vibe like yeah like i and sherlock and like he, that's just yeah. what he does but they they want him to be a leading man and i don't think he can carry the movie but like yeah so his relationship with christine is just so flat and boring they don't even try like they don't even try to do like a corny like heart to heart scene really it's just kind of like he goes to her wedding and is like hey i really wanted to marry you congratulations and then meets her multiverse counterpart uh he meets her multiverse counterpart when he's visiting a universe where the illuminati exists which is Professor Xavier, played by Patrick Stewart, uh, Black Bolt, played by Anson Mount, who was Black Bolt in that shitty Inhumans show on ABC. Uh, um, John Krasinski, someone who right? was in John Krasinski, yeah, is Mr. Fantastic, which makes me think he is not going to be Mr. Fantastic in yeah. the Fantastic Four because, like, this is another thing. Everything, everywhere, all at once is like so in tune with internet culture and like the the kind of like fragmentation that's going through right now yeah. uh, has been going through um but yeah so that but the illuminati scene ends with wanda who has been revealed to be the villain at this point coming in and killing all of them and then they just leave that universe and it's kind of like well we're never going back there uh like he he sends his the christine that he meets in that universe back to her universe and she doesn't seem upset that all her coworkers just got shredded into spaghetti and their head crushed and like uh he doesn't she doesn't seem to really care like the movie just does not feel like it cares about the multiverse beyond being a gimmick to show john krasinski as mr fantastic it's and, just a, it's, it is just set piece locomotion right like yeah, it is which is the same as as uh no way home like i that movie fell so flat for me because it's like the way you're going to introduce Andrew Garfield is him. just like, I mean, this, this might've worked for some people, but like, he just, he just awkwardly walks into a living room and like, I think that's a good bit, but the way they film it is so low energy and boring that like, I just okay. didn't do it. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to probably, uh, uh, we probably uh, lost some people ragging on the MCU here. Oh, I know. Oh, fuck them. I, well, not them. <laughs> like, like, if you like these movies, that's fine. I don't care. Like what you like. I like a bunch of dumb. I mean, again, I saying dumb shit is even pejorative. I like a bunch of things that like, I don't feel, I must have. There's a, there's like a, what you like. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, there's short, a, I don't there's care. an Ethan Hawke video going around today where he's talking about like, I don't separate high and low art. I, separate art I that you can feel Hawk. he he rules yeah he's like i don't think about high art and low art i love dr strange the first one like i think it's a great film i and i care when it seems like someone's putting their heart in it dr strange has like moments where you can tell they cut sam raimi loose and i was like fuck yes this owns dr strange is possessing a corpse of himself from another universe and then summoning the demons that are trying to rip him from that body into a, a hand cloak of darkness. Which to is fight like Wanda. so much more creative than anything I feel like Marvel has turned out in. I, I People can't see this because it's an audio format. I'm shrugging. I, like, I don't yeah. I don't know. Well, and I think I, I think this comes down to like the 
the way this movie feels separated into Sam Raimi bits and Marvel bits feel is is like just down to the Marvel process of like, yeah, they probably handed off the dialogue scenes to somebody else. Uh, pretty sure Elizabeth Olsen said she like barely was on set with anybody else the whole time. And she's a central part of that movie. Like, it's just I, I, I think their production style and people, and people will defend it like being like covid and it's like hey guess what like other studios have figured it out i mean yeah. granted movies take a long time to be in post-production so this movie was probably shooting around the time vaccines are rolling out last year maybe i don't know but like it just is like hey guess what i've seen a lot of recent releases in the last 12 months that were developed during or post you know covid with vaccines era and yeah. like, guess what? Their lighting isn't dog shit, Marvel. Like, it's just you who's turning this shit in, and we're and we're supposed to accept it. Like, well, and people, I I think that's why we keep getting it because people, people do don't care. like, yeah, they, yeah. They, not only do they not care, they'll defend it, and like, I don't know. All anyway, that to we're, say, we're, we're, we're I think, going hard on this fucking movie, but I mean, it it doesn't seem like it's saying much, right? It yeah, I think it's a fun movie, but like, it's not it's not saying much about with the multiverse beyond. Hey, isn't it cool that Doctor Strange doesn't ever get to marry Rachel McAdams in any other universe. Which is also like an an incredibly confusing misunderstanding of how, I mean, again, the theoretical way multiverses should work is like, no, like theoretically looking at how multiverses work. I mean, I guess they're running on our interpretations. Like there are probably, if, if we're looking at infinite possibilities, of course there are infinite possibilities. You end up with like literally anyone and everyone, right? Like, yeah. Isn't that isn't that really what multiverse like the theory suggests? Yeah, it feels like they're they're trying to push like a he is never gonna change. He's always the same person thing. But it like I don't I I just don't think the characterization is strong enough to do anything like that in that movie. Whereas everything everywhere all at once feels feels like it gets the multiverse in the way it's trying to be used in media and the way that it just makes everything feel meaningless and um the 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 thesis of the movie ends up being it, it, isn't it nothing truly matters therefore everything matters like you you decide what matters to you or or more cynically is it that you cannot anticipate the world adapting to you you need to adapt to the world because like that's isn't that our ultimate again I haven't seen the movie so tell me if this feels off base but like the idea that he will never end up there so you need to learn how to find perspective and contentment with what you currently have like is is that what it's making the case for or not not so much am I misunderstanding I don't even really know what case is trying to make it 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 feels like it doesn't kind of like WandaVision like it feels like it it has themes that they decided in a writer's room are the themes but that the rest of the writing really doesn't like they try to lift those prop those themes up, but like ultimately they care about the next plot beat and uh, they're not going to like they're not going to ditch an action sequence for character development. Um, but yeah, everything everywhere all at once, though, really, really just feels like it gets the multiverse in a way that Doctor Strange doesn't. Yeah. And again, like I love the way again, because again, and it might just be the ways that I think about the multiverse, but it's like it's so easy to think about like the direct ways that it would change your day-to-day life. But like the way that everything everywhere all at once challenges that and pushes harder on like, no, 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 no. It's not about, it's not about you and your choices. It's about your parents' choices and their parents' choices and the ripple effects those have on your life. And yeah, you could obsess about all the optimal ways that they made mistakes or they made great choices. Um, But instead it's about like how you learn and, 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 
I, I don't know. Like, what, what do you, what would you say again, without major spoilers, like what is the intention of, of everything everywhere all at once that like through the messiness, like, or, or is it embrace the messiness, embrace that you will not be the most perfect version of yourself. And that that's going to be enough. I think it's, yeah. Em- embrace the messiness with kindness in a way that is not, um, you know, like the, the ultimately she like, I won't spoil, but there is a, there's a through line of be kind despite everything the world, th- world throws at you, uh, even when the world's fighting you. Um, but also use that kindness to fight for what you care about. Uh, that felt like the ultimate takeaway for me, like the, the kind of broadest stroke uh, thesis of the movie. Sure. And like, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like I could say more, but, but I, I kind of want to hold off. And, and if you feel like you spoiled too much, mm. one, I apologize, but two, I think we've, we've dodged a lot of things. Even if it feels like we've said a that, lot, there's so much in this movie. Like, I don't even think you it's, can spoil this is, movie. It is fucking packed to the brim with like themes. And then you'll probably watch it and think, wow, Maddie and Zach missed X, Y, and Z thing. That feels really fucking important. And we, cause it's jam packed. Like, yeah, it's, rich. it's so packed. Yeah. Like I, also, this movie made me cry like three times, <laughs> like towards the end. It's like for a movie where a trophy gets used as a butt plug. Yeah, uh, it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that's saying something. Yeah. Um. But I kind of wanted to. So so before I saw everything everywhere all at once. And I think before you saw it and before you saw Doctor Strange 2, mm-hmm. you and I saw Jacob Geller's uh, April upload, his primary upload for for um, YouTube um, in in April, focusing in on head transplants. Is that right? Did you see that yep. before you saw all these other movies and stuff? Yeah, I think I saw it right when it got posted. Okay, so before before we get into to the video specifically, I kind of want to give like a high level on Jacob Geller because like I think I think they make really compelling videos that are interesting mm-hmm. and they often deal with the intersections of of other media and games, right? And yeah. like one of the things I have found that has made me I don't know if it's maybe better at talking about games, but they think harder about them is looking for ways other media outside of games can make me, um, can make me think about themes and, 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 and narrative and, and design and all sorts of things. And like, I think Geller balances that really well. Like I feel like so many of his video essays are balancing games. Geller really likes, um, mm-hmm. with either real world history or movies and, and books that have, um, also been similar, right? Yeah. Like, and oftentimes he like starts his video with the non game media to, to build into his argument about the game. Um, which I, I just like, don't see games writers do that very often. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just not paying attention, but, um, he, he feels like he doesn't limit himself to, well, I just, I'm talking about games, so I have to pull from Gotta games. show him the good shit right away. Right. Yeah. And so his April upload, and and again, it's dim, it's different, but really felt I don't know, it felt right. Like while I'm watching everything everywhere all at once in the theater, like Jacob Geller's video came to mind. And so let's get into it, right? So his April upload uh, was all about the concept of head transplants, um, and like you said, he doesn't start with with ways we've seen it in games. He starts with historical context, which is. Let's look at a doctor named uh, Robert White, who is popular, um, basically starting about 50 years ago, 
um, doing a number of experiments. Um, he was a, a deeply religious man, but also wanted to look at uh, consciousness and the way the brain worked, but also was obsessed with the concept of the soul. And one of his most popular, not popular, controversial uh, experiments about consciousness um, uh, was an experiment between two monkeys. Maddie, I'm wondering, are you cool with me going through this description of, of this experiment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Okay. So, so, again, people jump ahead probably five minutes if you want to avoid uh, a, a brief description of a medical experiment done 30 or 40 years ago between two monkeys um, wherein both, both will die, um, uh, which is uh, wrong. And Geller points this out that, like, do we actually learn that much? And eh, I don't know. Like, could we have figured it out without this? Probably. But I'll, I'll just get into it because I think it's important and um, it's valuable to the conversation that follows. So yeah. Robert White um, conducts this experiment between two monkeys where they are going to try to basically do straight up a head transplant. Um, and the way they do that is they, they treat one monkey's body as a blood bag and the other body as the, the vessel that is supporting the head that they want to transport. And so to keep blood circulating to this brain, in, in let's, let's say monkey A and monkey B, ultimately our goal is to get monkey A's mind inside of monkey B's body from the, from the shoulders down. That, is, that was the goal of Robert White's experiment. Again, this is a, a thing that we did, that humans did. Um, in the pursuit of learning more about the soul and, and, and the body, I guess. Speci I, I, I think his, his goal was more, more medical science, but I wasn't the soul stuff like, people. yeah, he, cause there was someone he wanted, like a, a person he wanted to do this on. And, he did. uh, I think and he we'll died hear. before he got a chance to. No, uh, Robert White got a chance Robert White. or died before. Died, yeah. yeah. And, and we'll, and, and we'll get there. So yeah, Robert White, like, wasn't some, he wasn't a Frankenstein, guy but he did like frankenstein a lot and actually mm -hmm. made the argument that frankenstein's problem wasn't that he created a monster it was that he didn't look at the monster as a mistake in medical science that should be learned and iterated upon he he wasn't instead of seeing instead of seeing frankenstein as a tale of the reckless pursuit of knowledge into the unknown he saw it as a failed hypothesis that needed iterating upon um, which is again crazy when you consider this was a guy doing medical research on, on living <laughs> creatures. Um, and so getting back to the blood bag, right? They're trying yep. to get monkey A's head on monkey B's body. And so we're gonna, you know, let's get into the description here. Again, skip ahead if you don't like this sort of thing. Um uh, or if you can't tolerate this sort of thing, like nobody likes it. Um it, so basically that both monkeys are basically put under. They're knocked out, and then from there they begin taking monkey A's uh um face and and i shouldn't just say take head a and put it on body b it isn't that it is it's the brain they're interested in the brain um but they're gonna do it by separating the head so yeah. ultimately like they do a bunch of stuff to cut away at, at muscle and skin on the face of monkey a and then ultimately they get to a point where they take the blood bag from monkey b the body which they're trying to put the brain in and they're they plug it directly into the brain so that basically every other part of of monkey a is not getting brain activity anymore it's basically you know it's basically a body in a vegetative state it doesn't have brain functionality but it is still technically around and then they get rid of that body because they don't need it anymore and then they're going to get rid of the skull of, of monkey a and then it's just a brain basically held up by a small instrument that is getting blood flow and so 
just like 48 hours previously when it was alive, having, you know, normal monkey thought processes, that brain is still on paper capable of continuing those thoughts. The electrical chemical processes of that brain are still functional. So from there, uh, again, I, I apologize, it's, it's a lot. They remove the blood bag monkey, monkey B. They remove its brain. At this point, the consciousness of monkey B is gone. Monkey B, if you look at consciousness as just a function of the brain, is dead. Monkey B is, is no longer with us. So we've got the flesh of monkey B still around, and now they're going to move this brain from monkey A into monkey B's body, into its head, and they're going to just, like, try to wake it up. And they, and Maddie, they, they did. They do. <laughs> um, it turns out, once the monkey wakes up, as Jacob Keller gets into, this monkey's fucking mad. Yeah, uh, but can't do anything because its its spinal cord is not it's fused, severed. Right? All it could do was, I think it could, I think it moved the head. It was able to move its yeah, head. It could, it, it could, could follow, it could follow motion around. And then when they put ice chips in front of a monkey, it would chew the ice chips, but it seemed really mad. Yeah. <laughs> and so effectively <laughs> they, they, they had done at least in part what they had set out to do, which is, yeah. can we move a brain from one living being to another being's body ultimately what what from a medical perspective what white is trying to demonstrate um at least in the early stages is that previous stuff has always had about the heart right the heart being what 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 matters for humans because it pumps blood through our bodies therefore if the heart stops and we die that's the end of our lives but but white is suggesting the heart's just a muscle what what really makes you you what interprets what you see and what you hear and what you think is your brain, that is all of your consciousness is your brain. And this experiment, at least to, to White's eyes, partially explains that. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little weak because at, at the end of the day, they're still monkeys. Like, they're not, you know what I mean? Like, they're not thinking monkey. Like, you, you aren't able to show... Like, you, you can't show that, like, personality is still there. It's yeah, just, you like, haven't showed the function... The, the base function works right like he definitely wasn't able to prove that like there wasn't mental capacity lost going from from monkey yeah. a skull to monkey b like i would argue there there probably was some damage if not a lot of damage uh separate from just like the spinal cord disconnect right yeah you just like you would assume that in the process there's some degradation and like people you know there's stories about people being executed with the guillotine way back and their heads, their eyes still moving. Like the, yeah. the, the, the processes keep going for a bit. So it's, I, I can see there being an argument that like, how can you know that's not just kind of the body going through the motions? Although the monkey lives for what, a week or so. Uh, I, I mean, I think it was a day or two. I mean, it, it lived for long enough. Short, yeah. It lived for a short period of time. I mean, clearly it, it was still enough. I, I forgot if they demonstrated, if it was able to breathe, and function without machines helping it breathe and function. Yeah, because I don't that remember would, the I, I don't remember the, the mention there, but I mean, ultimately like his point was to demonstrate brains. Robert White had an interesting life. Um, he went on to meet like several popes. Um, who, again, this is the intersection of consciousness, the mind and spirituality. Ultimately, Robert White was trying to prove 
you know, talking about consciousness and where and where quote unquote the soul lies. Um, and so you can kind of start to see why why he was interested in popes and why popes were willing to take meetings with him. I want to say a plurality of popes met with Robert White over time. I think I so, yeah, because he was researching long enough that there would have been multiple. Right. In, yeah. And uh, starting in the uh, uh, I want to say the late '90s or early 2000s, um, Robert White uh, 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 meets a guy. I believe Manny was he a BMX rider. Mm, I or stunt performer. He, he something with bikes. <laughs> something where uh, um, this gentleman had suffered traumatic uh, uh, body loss, uh, or I'm sorry, not um, body loss, um, um, ability to control his his body from the neck down. Um, and uh, later on, after he survived this 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 traumatic brain injury that that left him paralyzed, he started to suffer kidney failure. And at the time, I don't know if this is still the case. At the time. The way they determined who got a kidney and who didn't was based on physical capabilities. It wasn't about cognition. It was about physical capabilities. And so this gentleman in, in a wheelchair who's paralyzed realized, well, they're never going to give me a kidney. Like, I'm, I'm dead. Like, there's no way. They're not – because I'm in a wheelchair. Therefore, I can't demonstrate physical ability. So people will always be passing on this list. And so he meets Robert White, and they begin trying to think about – the possibility of a brain transplant because the man who's paralyzed is okay with it. I believe his direct quote, uh, as, as absurd as it sounds is everybody has to die sometime was, was <laughs> what the guy said about why he was willing to go through with the experiment. Um, around the same time as that started getting media coverage again, this is late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, Robert White publishes a paper talking about like the ethics and philosophy of head transplants, looking at his historical background. Um, but also, saying that like if we succeed at this this is gonna ask a lot of questions about the human experience and consciousness that we as a society we as a species are really not prepared to answer and so he's making this thing where he's like i'm gonna i i'm i'm gearing up to do something very lofty and it's gonna open up you know basically a pandora's box right yeah and like at this point the medical community kind of recognizes that your brain activity is you like uh yes Jacob has another video about how headshots were became a big deal in media. And he, he mentions it in this video, I think. Um, and like the kind of the way we went from seeing, uh, you know, gangster movies getting shot in the heart. That's the the destruction of the self in like the, of the highest form. Uh, and now it's getting shot in the head, which kind of in part was born out of this like medical conference in the late 60s where they agreed that medical death is the lock like the the ending of brain activity um yeah. which kind of recenters the the self in the head um and yeah i forget why i started talking about that <laughs> I completely I mean, lost the train no you're fine i mean it's it's all it's it's all important stuff like in context about how robert okay okay again like robert white i would say by this period again i was a child at the time i do not know and I'm not cracking a Wikipedia page to find out more. But my guess is that at this point, Robert White is iterating on philosophy. And he, like what he's positing yeah. is, is interesting, which is like, you're right. If you succeed at this and this person lives, you will be, you know, society will have a lot of questions to answer for in terms of like what we think of, what we think of, um, you know, what is human and that sort of thing. Um, but ultimately, Robert White passes away in the early 2000s and never gets to do uh, his 
he never gets to uh, 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 lead the surgery, moving the BMX rider, I believe, uh, again, BMX rider, um, moving his brain to another body. Um, ultimately, the BMX rider lived until 2017 when he passed away. So he outlived Robert White, but ultimately um, still passed away. Um, so, but still, I mean, Robert White's legacy is left one. I mean, it's a thing we're talking about today. But separately, Robert White's earlier work solidified a lot of uh, treatment around um, how we treat traumatic brain injury, how, how medical fields treat it. Like the idea of lowering the overall brain temperature to preserve or, or reduce damage to the brain um, during traumatic brain injury is like product of some of Robert White's work. So mm. he had some some stuff, even though his, his lasting legacy of uh, – uh, being the good Dr. Frankenstein certainly never came true, right? Yeah. And so from there, we're, we're going to circle back to how this gets around to multiverse theory. But from there, Geller, once he's got your buy-in from the historical context, Geller goes into games that share this parallel with Robert White's work. Um, and he shares stuff that I think are games that I've, I've played both of these. I don't know if you have too, Maddie. Yeah. Uh, Soma and Wolfenstein 2. Yeah. And so the interesting contrast he takes, I mean, he, so again, spoilers for these games that came out five or six years ago now. So skip ahead. This whole episode is really, Soma, is, Soma's like eight years, right? Is Seven? Soma that old now? Wasn't it 2015 like, okay. or 2016? Probably. I feel like my first experience was the Xbox release, which I think came later. Yeah. I think it was um, a year or two later. But Geller makes a really compelling parallel, right? So looking at Wolfenstein 2, he looks at the moment wherein BJ's head is executed by Nazi generals, and then his his team like gets his head very quickly and then puts it onto a synthetic Nazi super soldier body, and his consciousness continues, uh, and his head continues living on a new body. And doesn't really explore that dynamic, but basically Geller makes the argument that this is an example of consciousness getting a cut and paste from its original body, right? Your your brain is the same, um, and in and, and Wolfenstein 2's fictional case, his head is the same, but when he looks down at his hands um, and his feet and every other aspect of his body, that is foreign to him, right? And, like, what what does that mean? Yeah, and, like, the, yeah, the way he explores that is in terms of, like, consciousness is, like, the body BJ's put onto is a nazi super soldier body but nobody treats him like he's you know but he's in the body of a fascist yeah people admire it and they're like wow look at you and he but he's still bj like nobody nobody treats him differently despite like 90 percent of his matter being different but what we didn't touch on is even though it's still bj's brain and it's and it's his whole head what we haven't talked about for a long time or yet is that BJ's physical appearance, his facial appearance, despite his character being Jewish, is also traditionally like perfect Aryan, right? Blonde hair and blue eyes. So it's not just like he is, you know, he is, uh, um, you know, an Antifa resistance fighter put on a Nazi's torso. It is that his with his with the look of his face and the body. BJ, before you hear him speak, if you look at him across the room, BJ looks like a threatening Nazi body, right? Yeah, yeah. And but like everyone game, knows he's still BJ, though. <laughs> like, yeah, like the game, the game really does not engage with this. But but Geller is making the argument. This is an example of consciousness being cut and pasted onto a new body, and and implications that, that has. And then the comparison to Soma. Soma, 
uh, again, early in the game, your character has a disease and they get their consciousness copied. Um, and over time, uh, you know, it is realized that uh, uh, humans are getting their basically their consciousnesses are being digitized. And then from there, those consciousnesses can be applied to brains as if they are a GameCube memory card ready to have a game's save transfer moved over. Is that like an accurate analogy, Maddie? Yeah, pretty much. And with the ultimate goal of putting them in arcs that they're going to launch off the planet with the consciousnesses in simulations in hopes that someday they they're discovered by some future species or race who and, is sympathetic and will move them and, out of a digital space and into a physical space i guess yeah who's sympathetic and has the technology it's like the biggest swing possible but like from what i remember that game things get so bad that they're like we got this is all we got yeah i mean and it's and it's and it's really a mess but at one point in the game and, and this is geller's critical point is that, you know, once you just revealed that that you are in the body of a person that was born with a different name, a different brain, a different consciousness, again, your electrochemical processes, your memories pasted over the brain of a former person, and you are embodying their body. Uh, again, not unlike Alpha Wayman taking over a different dimension's Wayman's body mm. and having his thoughts and his control. Like, it is... It is that that is Soma's whole whole fucking thing, right? Yeah. And the fact that when you're when you get copied, you're not going with that copy. You're yeah. you're you're staying because your consciousness is not a fungible thing. Your consciousness is a uh, a thing unique to you. And if it's re if it's copied and removed and and moved over, that's going to be a, a different self that, you know, could could potentially you know, make choices different from you. And like at the end of the game, the, the main character gets copied and then he's all excited that, oh, I'm getting out of here. And then the rocket takes off and he's still sitting there and it's revealed. No, you're stuck. Like you're not just because you got copied doesn't mean you're going. And like, I guess I guess that's what kind of fucked me up about like his entire his entire argument was like what we perceive to be consciousness. And again, like I love this point that Geller makes like it, uh, the distinction between cut and paste conscious, conscious, but I can't say it anymore. I've said it so many times. Conscious. It's yeah. It's one of those words. Uh, uh, consciousness is not cut and paste. A digital version of it would be copy and paste. Mm. And so how do you reconcile a reality wherein you could potentially digitize your consciousness, but then it would exist without you with autonomy? And Maddie, this isn't in our agenda, but goddamn, does it feel similar to Severance, right? In the ways that they yes. uh, bifurcate their own personalities. I think we talked about this and then forgot that we were going to talk about it. Like we talked about it in our DMs and then we forgot we were going to talk about it on the podcast. But yes, yeah, there's there's definitely parallels to Severance in the way those, you know, you're you're sharing a body with someone who doesn't even know who you are like because you you turn into a different you when you enter a certain floor of this building and like the the different ways that even even yourself that was at a point part of you can become a completely different person and then like it, and then whether we're talking about severance or we're talking about soma or or even everything everywhere all at all at once and you know when alpha wayman takes over the other wayman's body like you the movie doesn't analyze this but we could analyze is that ethical like is that is that cool can you do that like ethically do you feel all right about that 
Yeah, um, I, yeah. Wayman doesn't even know what happened. Like he's right. just gone. Right. And um, I guess it's just it, it is. I guess the interesting thing is like I think that there's a huge through line whether we're talking about consciousness or multiverses around which version of you is the one that matters the answer is probably all of them mm. um and then when do people get to be you know what makes a person a person right like like again it you know we're, we're dealing with incredibly fictionalized things right now but is a digitalized consciousness one-to-one replication of your own brain um you know would humans be comfortable with those being considered equals to them um is a big question right yeah and yeah like stuff like severance says no because you know i I, i'm sure i think if this happened in real in real life i think probably it would be viewed like people view children how like there is i mean there's multiple multiple very like very different you know ways of raising kids but it seems like there is a large group of people that see children as a sort of property until a certain point. Like you're my kid. I brought you into this world, like that kind of stuff. Um, I I feel like that that's how it would be viewed. If, if severance became real or if there was the possibility of copying people, it would be almost like a, yeah, you're your own person now, but like, you're still me. I still get to say. Yeah. And like, I think that like, it would, it would significantly challenge like what, what's like self-consent looks like i think i mean again this is kind of what robert white to circle back this is a lot of what robert white was talking about right which is that like if if we pull this off we are indirectly beginning to ask a lot of questions that we do not have good answers for yet yeah we don't have laws about this stuff like if you say the body of uh the person that this this sports uh this athlete was going to be put on say that body had been like the body of a murderer who was never caught. They do the thing, they do the the transplant, it works. And they find out that this guy was a murderer the day after. What do you like? What do you do then? Is it like, what is the conception of self in the eyes of the law? And who, who is that person now? Cause 90% of his body is still there. Oh, so you're saying like person who like for for absurd example, person who who is an idealized citizen who doesn't harm people, who does their best. Yeah. You're saying let's take their brain and put it in the body of somebody in, in the body of, you know, their brain. The other the person who's a murderer has their brain removed and then you put the good, you know, the ideal citizen's brain in the murderer's brain's body. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Like, like yeah, who's, like I, who's I, in charge? I mean, I really think that would be like a, a complicated legal question because, you know, from a DNA perspective, from a DNA perspective, from a, a like perception perspective, like I think it would be hard for people to shake the, oh, this person isn't the same, but yet their body's still walking around free. Like, I, I think it would get real messy especially once you start factoring in maddie political you and i are beginning to circle the drain of a very big question that feels out of character for match point but god damn it i'll ask it anyway which is you know after after watching everything everywhere all at once uh you in your case dr strange too and then you know jacob geller's video on head transplants i just i feel like i have to ask you do, do you 
How do we see the mind's relationship to, air quotes, the soul, um, and, and do, and without judgment, like, what, what is your definition of the soul? What, if I can ask such a I don't know. lofty question. I, I don't, I don't think I believe that there is a, well, I say this and then, you know, I, I often tell my girlfriend that I don't believe in ghosts, but I get scared when she tells me that something weird happened in the house. And I think the soul is like kind of one of those situations for me where like, I don't think there's a quantifiable thing that is a soul in our bodies, but I do think there's like some spark that gives you who you are. But like, I think to simplify it down to a a single thing called a soul is like, almost not giving ourselves enough credit. Like who we are is so complex, such a complex mishmash of things. Uh, and like everywhere, everywhere, all at once, everything, everywhere, all at once made me think about that a lot. Actually, like, like, you know how like literally diagnosed ADHD I am. I am constantly pulling myself, whether it's media or hobbies or whatever, I'm pulling myself in all, all directions all at once. I'm trying to do everything. And like you but, almost just said the name of the movie. Okay, keep going. Yeah. But at the same time, in in picking at these threads, I'm forming and myself and changing all the time. Yeah. And so like I think the soul ultimately is just an amalgamation of you know, every experience, every way it's impacted you. And so really to do a cop even a copy paste a cut paste anything really i think would be uh you know making a different soul almost like if you know if it's you being put into a body and your consciousness is still there and you you are making the decisions i i think your soul is still there like despite yeah. what's below your shoulders but you know you get copy pasted and there's two copies of you that other copy of you is not going to make the same choices like they're going to have different experiences that inform their choices differently and i think at that point you've created two souls like or you've created another soul out of yours i think i think i think that you and i are in alignment on our perspective which is like i don't believe in a spiritual soul but like i i think what you're describing and correct me if this term is like maybe not applicable to it but like what comes to mind for me is the concept of um, like electrochemical <laughs> sounds ridiculous. Electrochemical inertia is like I, I think is the way I want to describe it, which is yeah. that like, which is that like consciousness. All right, like let's let's stop thinking about talking about ourselves. Like let's think about our parents, right? And the electrochemical processes that make up their consciousness, and the ways that their decisions and thought processes led to the creation of us, and then how their consciousness their electrochemical inertia implanted onto us both through genetics and then through lived experience. That is all like, to me, it's really hard to think of individual, like, I think this is why I really like where you're headed with like the way that they could be divergent, which is that like, I don't, I guess I don't know if I totally buy the concept of like individual soul Hmm. versus like, the idea of well the ways that we're implanting and affecting each other's consciousness every single day yeah um is probably an an like a collective soul but that also collective feels like it has weird this man i this is a, a, a like a weird pull that i think i would have to explain a lot for you to fully get but it okay. makes me think of evangelion uh and a mech anime 
like probably the most famous one other than like Gundam, which the villain spoilers. If you haven't watched Ava 20, 30 years old at this point, the, the villain's ultimate goal is to to do instrumentality, which is basically taking every soul in existence and putting returning it to the primordial soup, uh, which will uh, end conflict. Basically, mm-hmm. when everyone's one, no one can fight. Um, but he's obviously he's doing this against people's will. The, the, the reason they explain that we are individuals is because we all have an AT field that the anti-terror field, which gives us fear of closeness with one another. And so the villain's going to remove the AT field so that we all become one collective soul. Uh, and yeah, I, I think you're right. Like human experience is all ultimately like ultimately it's like a, it's a big tree. It's it's growing from the stump and it's branching out in a million ways you can't even register. And ultimately, like some something a million branches away probably had some effect on you if you if you trace it far enough back. And that all comes from, you know, just us collectively as a culture. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I kind of get what you're saying. It's it makes your head. It's like one of those things that makes sense. And then the more you think about it, you're like, I start like, OK, like I start to think like and and it's probably not worth going down these rabbit holes. But it's like the idea of like, OK, if we could digitize a consciousness of my own of my own brain and then it exists in a digital format that allows it to exist and have thought how connected is it to other things? Like, could you isolate that consciousness and therefore stall that? Like, yeah. Like if you put, if you put that consciousness in cold storage, like what does it do? Does it, does it use its prior experiences to like think about its situation? Or is it not the same, but Maddie, again, maybe this sucks. Well, okay. Maybe this doesn't work. I I think when we're talking about philosophy, we can like almost, I don't think separate ethics, but like, I think we can be a bit more like candid yeah, when we're talking I mean, philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the theoretical. I mean, it's like the concept of like right, like the trolley problem is like in a world where we have to talk about ethics. Like, trolley problem fucking sucks. But from a philosophy or philosophy perspective, it makes it really easy to make a point. Yeah. Um. But I guess my point is like isolating a consciousness. Uh. Again, ethics aside, is that different than like? You going to Antarctica to have a, a, a find yourself mission and dying there alone. Is it like is isolation and the stopping of that consciousness like the ending of that soul? Part of me wants to say no, because people will. I mean, unless. OK, so like my theory is this, right? Like forget the Antarctica example. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm driving home from work and I get in a head on accident and I die. Part of me wants to be like, well, that would be the ending of my soul. But. If you look at the ways that I have implanted on other people around me, like maybe that's a continuation of, again, my, my electrochemical uh, uh, inertia, like bleeding and implanting on other people. Yeah. Like if I, if I were to isolate a consciousness, like my awareness that I did that to a consciousness, like wouldn't that alone be continuing? Yeah. I, like the, it, it's, like I, I would still I, have the I, knowledge of I like the of phrase the, electromag, electrochemical uh, inertia, inertia now that you've explained it that way. Cause it's like the only way, the only way your soul can stop is if other people let it. If like, you if they forget you ever existed. Yeah. Which I mean, if you look at history, is like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of humans or or things that are humanoid, right? Where like things that have yeah. been mostly forgotten, but even then, like 
Can we say that they didn't? Have I mean, that's why so many people. Were. That's why a lot of people have kids is to carry yeah. on parts of themselves yeah. genetically, like uh, behaviorally. Even if they're not thinking about it, like that's that is the core that's instinct the, behind. Yeah, it, that's right? the goal. Yep. God, this is a weird. Uh, I, I just can't believe we've turned in an hour long podcast hey, um, I, for this video game podcast. That's all about this. I think this is more interesting than listening to me ramble about uh, triangle strategy, which I haven't played since that podcast. <laughs> you know, it's it's fine. Before we take a break and and consider some game topics, or maybe we just wrap because we're sleepy. Uh, I, I guess I guess I want to circle back. Um, you know, you talked about Doctor Strange. We talked mm. about Everywhere All at Once. We talked about Severance. And then we talked about two games that were popular five years ago. It feels like multiverse topics are either increasing in frequency and we're getting them more and they're becoming more of a hit. More people are interested in these stories. Or, I don't know, Maddie. Like, what? why do you... Do you feel like there are more of these stories now? And... and, and... Okay. Uh, are multiverse stories simply? I wrote this because I want to make sure I said it. Okay. Are multiverse stories uh, simply for, for a lack of a better word, a more normy way to talk about human consciousness and significant changes in thoughts and 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 our and the way that our decisions impact ourselves and other people? I would like to think that that's the thinking behind it, but I I, I feel like the explosion of multiverse stuff is largely commercially driven. Like it's it's Fortnite becoming big. It's uh, like these crossover Marvel movies, everyone wants just wants their favorite thing in in the other thing they like. And I and guess it's like and like from like a okay, I, I have to cut you off, but like I guess from like a shitty capitalist like consumerism perspective, calling everything a multiverse is a really great way to protect your IP because now yeah. every single de- decision you make, you can just like put your hands up and walk away from it and say multiverse, baby. Yeah, and I I actually think you you and I have talked about a lot on the show and outside of the show, the rabbit holes we go down with very particular weird things. And yeah. uh, when I was watching everything everywhere all at once, I was thinking about the way we, well, I was thinking about me in particular because I, I, I'm being selfish at the movies. Uh, I was thinking about the way I feel so fragmented in terms of like the media I'm consuming. I'm always like jumping to the next thing and I think the like stuff like Fortnite, like that kind of multiverse stuff feels like it's catering to a culture that wants everything everywhere all at once. It like yeah. it's, you know, I'm in Fortnite. I see Spider-Man. Oh, No Way Home's out. I'm going to go see No Way Home. Whoa, Doctor Strange 2 comes out in a few months. I'm going to go see Doctor Strange 2. Back to Fortnite. Oh, my God. I mean, Doom. Jesus, at the height of COVID, they were thinking about putting – Or I can't remember if they were actually thinking about putting Tenet in Fortnite or if they were just putting Inception in Fortnite. But they either put, way, yeah. the, the, either way, the idea of putting Inception and Inception's themes, which, again, are, are related to what we're talking about today, mm. but from 10 years ago – inside Fortnite, like in and itself was like this incredibly meta yeah thing right yeah and like i you know from one perspective that is kind of a consolidation of of culture into one item but like yeah. to me when i play Fortnite, i feel like i'm you know being torn in all directions from all this all this marketing all these all these characters that make me think of other things and um I don't know. I like I like Fortnite if it plays well, but like I think Fortnite and other things like this that are just trying to put put things mm-hmm. in together to like get you to the to like peel off into their sub brand makes me feel really bad as someone who already has trouble like 
maintaining focus. Uh, sure. And I, th- I think that's why lately, like when we go down a rabbit hole with a game or, you know, I'm looking at getting into painting Warhammer 40 K figures because I like, I'm, I'm just tired of everything being like this ephemeral goop. Like I want, sure. I want focused things to learn and dive deep on and like learn from like, there's like, you know, destiny. I've put a thousand hours into destiny. It is like a part of me now. Like, I think that's, I, I think that five years ago, I, I said that I would feel silly, but like, and you don't, you don't get that relationship. You know, I'm talking about it from a culture perspective now, which like yeah. feels like I, I kind of pivoted away from this whole thing a bit, but like, I, I, but I think that's how a lot of the people are feeling lately is like, they've got to commit to a, a media franchise, but, every, but, you know, things like Fortnite would like you to commit to 40 at once. Um, and so I don't know, like it, I, the multiverse no, stuff makes me feel very cynical. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if I like feel confident being like, and I don't think you're positing this. Like, I don't, I don't feel confident being like, it's all Fortnite that caused this shit. No, baby. no, no. But I think that's but, the, the perfect but example. It's, but it, oh, it's a perfect example. I mean, again, an example within an example, right? Like they've put Batman at least, at least a couple of skins, maybe just one of bat i think no i think there's a plurality of batman skins in fortnite and like yeah. one of the the earliest design pillars of batman's belief system is like no guns and then like goddamn, what's his primary way of it, of engaging with other people in fortnite give that fucking dude an ak-47 he's gonna fucking chop him in half like yeah and like and like and 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 the rights holders of these things are fine with it which which means that like and then and then people who who maybe liked Batman and like again like Batman to me is like an inherently pretty fascist character but like you are kind of putting aside a lot of the values and and staples of like what this character like who this character was doesn't exist anymore or if he does you need to make the argument that no this is multiverse Batman the version of Batman that you love the one that would never pick up a gun and shoot somebody still exists but in Fortnite he's on that battle bus and he's dropping in baby like yeah and I think the response you would get from from bringing that up is like well who cares yeah who cares don't take it seriously like oh it's just it's just Fortnite but like I I think that weakens the soul of Batman like that like what Batman is now is partly a Fortnite skin running around shooting people with AK-47s and like alongside a million other IPs that you know while I'm playing it I cannot stop thinking about these these million other franchises with these deep histories that like are just pasted over other stuff and yeah I think I've just I've just become so exhausted by it (laughs) and the thing is Maddie like and this isn't I mean yes it makes us hypocrites but also it's inescapable which is that like you know, the next time they add a skin for a character I like to Fortnite, I buy it. Yeah, yeah. I think you know? I think that's the other thing is it's uh, like I think the movie makes this point that like you can't get away from it. It's that is what the world is, and like you are you're always going to have a million things going at once, and you need to none of it matters. You need to pick what matters to you, and live the best version of your life you can in the way you want especially because you know we just spent some time talking about you know the ways that we imprint and impact other people in our lives and and then how that you know at like the ten thousand foot 
view or, or the 50,000 foot view, how that forms culture yeah. and society. And if you think about, again, inertia, like, you know, things evolve and, and will change, but also there is inertia behind intellectual property suddenly playing and, and intellectual property is a really gross way to talk about it. I mean, it's easy for us to talk about it. And like that, that's our hook to video games. And like, mm -hmm. you know, like, of course that's why we're going to talk about it the way we are, but like, it, it, it's not just intellectual property. It is creativity. It is the, I, you know, the ways that we think um, about originality yeah. will be impacted by the ways that we saw, you know, you know, either either the flippant or liberated use of of creations the last five years, ten years, whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, you're already seeing like impacts of that on on the way people create things, like stuff like Roblox and and yeah. and Fortnite with you know creative mode. Like, it's it's trying to create worlds that you are a part of and not not meet you in the world, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it's well I mean, a lot <laughs> it's it, it is like it feels and like this conversation has been had by smarter people five years ago three years ago and fortnite was a more relevant topic but like okay like the world as a whole is is full of all of these characters and these ideas and these stories and these characters you know these things that humans create because we like to tell stories about them and, and, and stuff and then like when you look at fortnite and the diversity of characters that are within them and then the diversity of backgrounds those characters get to have, like, it's hard to not argue that they're trying to make like a digital, you know, like a digital, a digital reality where like, just like how Batman and, and, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Spider-Man and the Godfather and James Bond all exist in our consciousness as pieces of IP. Why can't they exist within Fortnite the same way as, as like disparate, but also intrinsically tied like thing. Yeah. Which, and which is weird. Yeah. Which makes me question what's the soul of Fortnite? Like what, what is Fortnite aside from the monetization? Yeah. Aside from a point. platform to put, put character like cardboard cutouts of other characters into um i don't think it exists i mean obviously like when fortnite blew up in 20 in 2018 2017 it was because they were able to do what PUBG was doing bring it the console faster develop faster because they had more hands on deck and they also had better control of their engine like there were a lot of things that that set them up for this momentum mm -hmm. but i don't think you can make the case that fortnite would still be talked about and still have its command over culture if it didn't look at bringing in outside IP. Like if yeah. Fortnite was 100% like Epic is going to create new original characters and concepts and we're never going to do crossovers, I don't think Fortnite would exist as it does today. No. Yeah, and yeah, which if if we are if we try to circle back to the Souls thing, it makes me think of how things like Fortnite and, you know, the MCU are affecting the way people view other media. Like uh, so, some people live and die by the MCU, which is fine. But I, I think people underestimate the amount that the media we consume like shapes us. And so yeah. the more and more stuff becomes less distinct and more just like a goop. Homogenized shit. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me go like, well, like it makes me look at the stuff that I've learned things from or like that have shaped who I am and go like, well, people aren't going to find that. Like what? How, how do you parse through this stuff to find the important stuff, the like the stuff that's going to to mold you and uh everything everywhere all at once is basically like 
the the way they come down on is basically like you're you're not you're gonna have be barraged by stuff and you need to do the best you can to like pick what matters to you yeah and god damn i i mean i i love i love that that directive that thesis yeah but also god damn is it hard to live it you know yeah it especially now when like it it like i the more i talk about it the more i'm like it sounds so silly but like pop culture has become just like everything to to us in the last like 10 years but also 10 20 it's called fucking pop culture yeah it, it, it has always exist as this amalgamation of, of things, right? Like, like, right. Like think about like what pop culture looked like in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was TV, it was music, it was Hollywood. And, and you would see, you know, like let's use today's celebrities um, because I don't have a, a collection that stretches back that far, but it, it, in the same way that Daniel Craig exists in the same way, in the same world as Brad Pitt, even though we've never done a, a movie together, like, like pop culture has always has always been that but it's yeah. like the digital meshing and the ways that pop culture has not just existed as a thing that everybody you know finds common interested in but it is instead instead of being about individuals finding interest it's about like companies finding profit and people like, finding identity in things like I, I mean even i do it like we we all do it i think we all have like things we identify with um but You know, speaking, Maddie, I think that's enough talking about everything everywhere all at once and consciousness. Very big topic for us. <laughs> but also, I'm not going to tell you let you off the hook. Let's talk about some some old IP <laughs> that is that is, you know what? But all in on on what it itself is, Maddie, talking about the game you've been playing a lot this week. OK, I've been playing uh, Warhammer 40K. Let me find the subtitle because it's got a it's got a hyphen and a semicolon. Warhammer 40k Chaos Gate Demon Hunters. Uh, it is the latest. Uh, it's an XCOM like strategy game um, taking place in game wor- games workshops. Uh, Warhammer 40k universe, which has been around for like 30, 40 years. When, when was it released? 1987. And so, Maddie, I, I don't want you to give me a plot synopsis. Okay. I want to hear like you like this is your first warhammer ish experience yeah i got i so i got on humble bundle an uh a ebook collection of warhammer 40k okay. books so i got like 20 of them now i'm reading one called gray knights which is about the characters in uh this game that i'm playing um yeah. which is like a secret faction of knights that hunt the the worst of the worst demons okay um sure. so yeah what do you what do you want to know because i i guess i don't I guess know my much thing is like how are you i guess what I, and i guess that's what i'm asking is like you know have something with this much momentum um you know uh, uh, um 40k yeah. having as, as much momentum as it does is it even parsable to you like is it an entry point is this you know? um i i think it's oh hard to get to the place where it's parsable but uh last night i went into a a bunch of like community threads just like kind of asking like just typing into google various questions i had about the lore which helped a lot like um i think 40k is a universe where you kind of have to like you kind of have to calibrate your logic differently um because the scales of distance and time that they're that everything is working on is just so like unfathomable and like the uh, I mean, it's it's called the grimdark future in their flavor text. Like, uh, okay, 
the the core pillar of of the 40k universe is the god emperor uh who died like 10,000 years ago and has been in uh technologically assisted stasis on his golden throne on earth for 10,000 years fighting a psychic battle against the forces of chaos to keep it them at bay Hell yeah. um and every day a thousand psychers which are are psychics uh are sacrificed to the golden throne so that it can keep him alive with psychic energy like that is hey wait can i can i pause yeah. one that sounds insane but two the thousand sacrifices are they assuming the thousand sacrifices work or do they know they know the i think they know they work, work. like okay. warhammer 40k is like a kind of a mix of fantasy and sci-fi and like um apparently where where we are at in the timeline is basically like we the humanity has gone through multiple multiple golden ages and multiple dark ages and so much knowledge has been lost at this point um that like they they know what works like what works they know works but what doesn't work right. they know nothing and so like that's why uh it seems to be why like technologies worshiped because they've found this advanced technology from past generations and nobody knows how to make it but they can maintain it um hmm. so there's kind of this like very gray area in terms of knowledge which helps a lot with people writing campaigns for the tabletop game or like you know functionally like the way games workshop wants to see it is like you could write your own planet in the 40k universe and it's out there like the the imperium of man is so vast because of the way they expanded that yeah. anything could exist it's all just separated by unfathomable distances so like it would take you you know thousands of years to get there um i'm maddie i'm gonna ask a very scary question okay that is unfortunately going to evoke the earlier parts of our podcast. Okay. Um, do you feel like, you know, this idea of write your own shit mm. and, it, and it, it exists in our universe. We don't have any beef with it. Like the way that, that 40 K's I forgot. I think you said who the rights holder is, but the way that they've approached, like what is quote unquote canon and what isn't is like very laissez faire. Yeah. Um, and like, obviously it's clearly been something that helps the IP stay around and stay relevant. Um, but also like, do you feel like that's in conversation at all that I think we were talking about earlier? Uh, I, I think so to some degree. Yeah. Like there with all these multiverse things and, you know, Marvel, there is a level of rights holder control that is just like iron fist. You know, you make something in Fortnite, Epic can make money off that. Like I, yeah. from, from what I understand, like if you make a game mode, you might make a bit, but like the, that's on their platform. They probably have some, you know, some well, like some I, clause I know, about it. Yeah. Well, like I, like I think I don't remember if what Fortnite's agreements look like, but I know like for something like Roblox, it's like I want to say creators get twenty five percent of their games and the microtransactions that blow up from them, something like which that, which is yeah. insane when you consider that much of your demographic of creators are minors, probably. Yeah. Which you know, at at what point is that lifting up user generated content, and which point is that exploiting your user base? Uh, and I think the thing that's really clicked with me with 40K, with, you know, with Destiny to some degree, this is what got me into the Elder Scrolls, is the kind of like, not like, I think loosey-goosey sounds negative, but like, in this case, I think it's a very positive, like, 
it gives you so much room to play. And like when I'm in yeah. a universe like this with a cool, a lot of cool pieces, I want to play around. And like, I, if that means writing my own stuff, that's never going to affect anybody else. Like, no. and it just like, I, yeah, I think the, the attitude of our fans are part of the conversation and are part of the creation of this thing is like a really compelling idea to me. Um, as opposed to being told every six months, get your ass in this seat, watch this movie, come back for product in six more months. Like, and, and if you and if you miss one of them, you better pay 30 bucks to catch on Disney Plus. Otherwise, you're fucking lost. Dude, buddy. I didn't know what was going on in Doctor Strange, too. Like they, there were so many proper nouns that I was like, either I can't understand what they said or wait, what was that from? <laughs> like it's it's they're spreading it too thin at this point. But yeah, like. As opposed to 40K, which is, like you said, kind of kind of hard to parse because of how big it is. But at the same time, you're not. Ex- they haven't lost. You're like not expected to. Par- yeah, you're not expected to parse at all. It, it The scope is that big to give you room to play in and find what you like. Like there's so many different types of stories. Um, so, yeah, I maybe maybe that's, you know, I guess I don't I don't know enough about 40K's history to to guess to say this super confidently but like maybe that's a difference of why 40k um and to a similar but maybe lesser extent um you know vampire the masquerade stuff like maybe that's why that stuff works for me whereas like stuff like Fortnite or marvel doesn't which is that like we are from the get-go writing stuff that feels generous enough that people can go out and create and explore and not feel like they're breaking our rules like they're th- that is like a welcome exploration of our concepts and ideas yeah. whereas like marvel is like we're we hold all of the toys and we get to choose when you play with them yeah like yeah yeah we can give you the toys but don't forget who handed them to you that sort of thing when when marvel is know. making uh spider-man be taken off children's headstones like they're they're never gonna let you let any any fan write any marvel thing without a, a contract they need a lawyer to to write whereas you yeah. know 40k i'm gonna go get some miniatures and you know what i'm gonna do with those miniatures when i paint them i'm gonna set them up in a sick-ass battle scene and i'm gonna take pictures of them and it's gonna be dope and let's go like, and i could write things about that like i'm not gonna make money off it probably but you can write stuff about that and not feel like if you were to show it to Games Workshop, they would be like, what the fuck is what this? This doing? isn't Cease canon. Yeah, like yeah. I, there's just like a playfulness to to the openness of it that I really appreciate. Sincerely, I would love an arc wherein you spend your summer taking cool pictures of 40K characters and writing cool fanfic. <sighs> I mean, not fanfic. That's probably that's not really what I mean. But like writing your own like narrative. Like, yeah, that is my that's my ideal Maddie summer is you just out there like biking around, setting up cool shots. Yeah, like that's the that's the kind of like engagement I want with my media at this point in my life where like I don't I, I'm tired of jumping from, you know, Call of Duty to Battlefield and like not really feeling like I took anything away from those experiences. Like I want to find things that I connect with that I can dive deep into and have an experience like I had in the movies with everything everywhere all at once, where I look at something I love like destiny and can pull from like a deep well of knowledge and make connections that like actually impact me in some kind of way. Um, That's just like such a more compelling uh, way to engage with things. 
I I love it, and I also think it sounds really fucking hard to maintain. Like, yeah. as in, like, yeah. the, like, especially as somebody who's got the brain worms that, god dang, like how those guns shoot in Call of Duty. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, it's, like, everything you said is right, which is, like, you know, there's cynical products, and, and, and they don't really reward you for thinking about them at any depth. Um, they don't, you know, they don't, they certainly don't reward creativity. Like, it, it's hard to square it, but I, I don't disagree with, with your finding, yeah. which is, like, the best shit, the shit that will resonate with you the hardest you know, here's the thing, right? Like, and, and we'll wrap soon because we're going a little long here. But like today, Call of Duty is kicking off their Godzilla versus King Kong event, which like you and I have shared clips of this on Twitter because <laughs> with each other because we're just like, look how insane and silly and dumb this looks. And like, I still want to play the game where uh, giant King Kong can step on me. I think that's really funny. <laughs> um, but also like, it's also junk. And when I say junk, I know that sounds mean because people spent time making sure this is right. And, and and that certain people would really like it. But, like, ultimately, like, this will not be a moment that that resonates for very many people. And and there could be people in 50 years who say, God damn, you remember that King Kong Godzilla crossover in Warzone? But, like, ultimately, I it feels like so much of this stuff is meant to be in the moment, generate revenue as quickly as possible. Yeah. Like, don't worry about what our marketing intent, like, or, or it's, I'm sorry, I should say it's all marketing intent. There's no vision besides the profit at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, it just brings me back to that Ethan Hawke clip of like, I, I don't, I don't really like, I don't see Marvel as lesser. I see the Marvel movies that it's clear are products, and the moments that are clear uh, that they're products as, uh, not worth my time. And uh, you know, I'm sure there's a, a, a plenty of junk food stuff or uh, 40k is gaudy and like uh, ultimately i'm sure there's a ton of stuff that i'm not gonna find much to pull from but there is like a heart to it and like a effort to it that i'm like fascinated by um and like and also an inherent inclusivity not just in exploration of the world but the creation of it yeah right like I don't think we see that uh, inclusivity all that often, especially in, in games and play spaces. Yeah. And that, yeah. And like you said, it's like, it's going to be a constantly hard thing. Uh, you know, it, it sounds silly to like say it this strongly, but like, it's going to be a constant struggle to stick with one or like a handful of things because we're so constantly, you know, bombarded with like, look at this thing, look at this thing. Um, Why watch a great show when you when there are ten kind of entertaining but ultimately like junk food trash like like again like how much I I guess I hope that you were inspired from this Maddie but I, I certainly wasn't like how many hours of my life did I spend watching this who is the fucking guy with like with the unethical cat cages down in, in Florida uh, uh 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 fucking oh Joe guy. Exotic yeah like like all of this shit like it is things taking up my mental capacity i mean apparently not so much that i remember his name <laughs> but like and we are still generating like i i want to say they're doing like like celeb like like hollywood iterations of this shit yeah. and it's like but why yeah like wh why yeah and, and yeah and we don't have a good answer like it, it, there's nothing <laughs> like, there's nothing inherently fucking interesting about this guy like there, there really isn't i mean an unethical and, and, and this is just one example of like this this like creation of shit to feed the machine. Well, in that initial and, that and initial documentary, the takeaway should have been 
this stuff is horrible and we we enable it by going to places like this. We have a place three towns over that is a similar situation that we didn't find out about until we had visited the animals. And, you know, like, I think there's value to making a documentary about that. But then it becomes, well, let's make a spinoff. People think Joe Exotic's cool for some reason. Let's start dressing up as him for Halloween. It's like this. Everything has to be everything. And yeah. like, so, yeah, like finding things like 40K that I want to stick with. It's going to be like difficult, but it's like the mind. The, it's it's it. the mindset I want to get into. And it's aspirational. Like I yeah. like it. I think it sounds it's really easy to like say these things and sound like kind of a pretentious asshole and so, yeah like sound like we're telling everybody the games you play the music you listen to the movies you watch are all shit and you should stop doing it they're not productive like, yeah no, but no that. like do like, what jesus oh like yeah, yeah it's like, all i fucking engage do with engage shit. with what like, you find value in but maybe like i don't know maybe like we need to start investigating other <laughs> other avenues instead of like slowly whittling everything into one one single timeline <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. All right, Maddie, uh, let's let's call it here. If people are not following you on Twitter already, where can they find you? They can follow me at MaddieQuest. And you can find me on Twitter at Zach R. Robertson. And if you're not already following the podcast on Twitter, you can find that on Twitter at MatchPointPod. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, next week, we'll be back. This time, probably uh, looking a little closer at the games we're enjoying. Take care.